What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part three in the three-part podcast series on how to quit pornography. Now, in part one, I shared my backstory with porn and how I had basically struggled with it my whole life, certainly starting at 13, 14 years old, up until about a year ago, not even, how I realized it was a problem, how I got some help and how I got to where I am now of completely removing it from my life for um, most of 2022, starting in April. So it's been almost um, almost a year now, called eight, seven, eight months. And part two was quitting. So how I actually quit and going through that process. So if you're really looking for actionable strategies on how to quit and remove pornography from your life, I would definitely recommend part two. And part three, which we are covering today, is what I call my maintenance plan. So this is good if you've either listened to the second episode or you've already removed something from your life, an addiction, alcoholism, uh, porn addiction, something of that nature. And you're looking for ways to maintain that sobriety and really solidify it and make it a part of life. And the one first thing I'll say right off the bat, kind of going off script here, is just me doing this episode right now contributes to my sobriety and my recovery from porn addiction. I'm sitting here, I'm talking about it, I'm serving other people, I'm helping you all overcome potentially your own addictions to pornography or otherwise. And that helps me maintain my sobriety because I can't be doing this podcast right now and then afterwards go and look at pornography. It's just, I'm programming my brain and my nervous system by doing this episode that I am a person who does not engage in looking at pornography, in masturbation, in porn or porn-like behaviors. And so then I'm going to carry that through with me the rest of the day and the weeks. So that's one thing just right off the bat I'm even noticing is how can you find ways to give back to the community, the people who are struggling with what you used to struggle with, because that will help you overcome, not only overcome, but really solidify and bring permanency to your sobriety. Now, the first thing that I had written down that I wanted to talk about is my recovery is not something that I went through. It's not like I went to a rehab facility for a month and then I got sober and now I'm done with that. Recovery and sobriety to me is a way of life. It is a new way of living. It's not this stringent, negative, punishing, you can't, restrictive type lifestyle. It's just a new and different way to live. It's a way where we are open about our feelings with ourselves and people close to us. It's a way where we make amends with people we've hurt in the moment or in real time as much as possible. It's a way of life where we um, 
face our struggles head on. We can, we share them with other supportive, loving people in our community and our relationships and our network. And we choose to live life a different way. And so in my porn recovery, it's, it's the, the regularity and the new lifestyle that I'm living that really keeps me from going back to that type of behavior. And so one of the first things right off the bat is having regular meetings that I got involved with in, in a 12 step group through my local church here in San Diego. And now I go to those meetings every Monday night, sometimes on Tuesday nights. And right now, even there's also a Thursday night online meeting, which is actually going through the 12 steps in a workshop. So having all of that in my life, not only just having meetings, but having intimacy with people in those groups. And when I say intimacy, I don't mean physical, obviously. I mean, emotional intimacy, connection with other good, like-minded humans, people who pour into me, my mentors, people who are living in love and in freedom and in sobriety. I like to say healed people, heal people. A lot of people say hurt people, hurt people, which is also true, but I like to say healed people, heal people. So in those groups, if you can identify people who have the sobriety and the freedom and the life that you want and go get close to them, get mentorship from them. If you need to pay them, if they're a coach, for example, and they're a good fit for you, you can even consider that. But the point is I have made these regular meetings a part of my life. And so I'm engaging with people there. I'm sharing when I'm called on what's going on in my life. I'm staying after the meetings to get support from those who are further along than me. And then to support people who are in that stage of initial recovery that I can pour into. So I am doing this because I'm staying in front of it. And that's what I want you guys to do also in all areas of your life, by the way, is there's a famous quote that I like, which says winners anticipate losers react. And so I don't know how common this is, but I'd imagine there's some percentage of people who recovered from alcoholism, porn addiction, drug addiction, who go through the steps whatever those look like, it could be the 12 step program. It could be some other program. It could be what, however they achieve their sobriety. And then it worked so well that they stopped doing it. And so then they might have a relapse and that's because they stopped going to the meetings. You know, I'm, I'm healed now I'm fixed. I'm changed. Right. Versus this is a new way of life. This is something that I constantly want to pour into for myself and pouring into other people, soaking and serving. And so how can I stay in front of it and anticipate rather than react? And I do that by continuing to go to these meetings, by identifying friends and people in my community who are struggling with these things, who are open to support, who want transformation and change from their addiction. And I can bring them to these meetings or stay after with them or call on them or do anything I can to help support them in their recovery as well is super powerful for me because it, it forces me into a level of integrity of, hey, I'm finding all this joy and fulfillment in my growth and my contribution and supporting other people. I'm feeling connection. Like I talked about in the last episode, finding different ways to meet my human needs. And so I've been able to do that through community, through like-minded groups, through this 12-step group and other things like that. So what I realized was, how fulfilling it feels for me to have that growth and also to have that support and the ability to also support others in their recovery. 
there's a gentleman that I've become close to that I've been supporting through his process with his marriage and overcoming his addiction. And that just continues to prime me into this mindset of sobriety and recovery and releasing my victim, like thinking and behavior and blaming tendencies and anger and pain and shame. And to release all that, to replace it with love and letting go of my anger and fear and other painful emotions, because as I'm mentoring him, I'm also reminding myself and he's reminding me of areas where I need to stay vigilant on my own sobriety. So really bringing a regularity into your process to know that, Hey, this is, this is something that I'm going to stay on top of. I'm not going to say, okay, you know, I'm finally sober. Let's go back to beers and wings and football on Sundays, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's, if you're connecting with friends and having a great time, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, bringing in the tools that helped you initially find sobriety and continuing to use those tools in everyday situations is going to be really useful for you. Because I find that addiction is kind of like getting a cavity where if you have a bag of candy and you don't brush your teeth for a few days, you're not going to get a cavity immediately. But if you, for a long period of time, neglect to brush your teeth and neglect to floss, and you continue to eat these foods that are bad for our mouth and our teeth and our gums, you will eventually over time develop gingivitis, develop cavities, maybe even a root canal. So I invite you to bring the equivalent of brushing your teeth, flossing, using mouthwash, eating healthy food, non-processed sugar foods into your mental health and into your personal development space, because that is the equivalent of brushing your teeth and the addiction doesn't come overnight. But if you go through this process of going through some kind of program or recovery journey and you achieve sobriety, and then you, you stop going to meetings or you stop checking in, or you stop having a coach or you stop journaling or you stop practicing gratitude. Like you had a gratitude meditation or a gratitude journal, or every morning for an hour, you would read every evening for an hour, you would do meditations, whatever that looks like for you. Keep going. Cause if you quit that process, all the painful emotions and all the reasons why you had acted out in the past with whatever your compulsive behavior was could come back. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just saying that's how addiction works. It's like it can stack up and then get to a place where you, the emotional pain becomes too overwhelming. And then you go to the drug to try to relieve yourself from the pain. So those are a few things that have helped me from a maintenance perspective in my ability to stay sober. I'll also say that I take actions that helped me with my porn addiction, for example, not being on unsafe websites and in fact, going out of my way to block them. So there are some websites, for example, Reddit is one that has adult content that isn't good for me, obviously. Um, it has borderline content that's kind of a gateway into uh, explicit content. And it's also, frankly, for me, a waste of time. It's a, it's a compendium of various blogs. And it was a way for me to just kind of avoid my feelings as reading Reddit and then going down these rabbit holes. So I use a Mac for my computer here at home. And what I did was I downloaded, um, there's a code where you can go into the terminal, the Mac terminal, which is an application, in every MacBook, and you can put in a little piece of code that, and you can block any website you want. So if you want to learn how to do that, just Google, block Mac websites with terminal, and it'll show you how to do that. 
And I even did a, a couple of other things that helped me just avoid triggers because ultimately you want to get to that spiritual place where you can be as triggered as possible and still not act out. You can be the alcoholic in the bar with your friends and not have the drink. You can um, see and be exposed. Cause for example, just watching even like cable TV, I've seen some pretty sketchy stuff just pop up unexpectedly and I'll look away or I'll just move on. And I used to, in the past, I would rewind and zoom in and then go act out. Right. And so we want to get to that place where triggers don't bother us because our sobriety is so strong and locked in. But in this interim period of building maintenance, because like I said, it's been five or six months for me, I am taking every precautionary step that I can to block things that I think might trigger me. So I've blocked nypost.com, the New York Post, uh, sort of like a tabloid newspaper that has a lot of pictures of women. Uh, I don't have the Instagram or Facebook apps on my phone. I don't have Messenger on my phone. Uh, Anything that could trigger me. I mean, for some people, it's dating apps, Tinder, swipe apps, certain TV shows that have nudity. Like I know my friend Matt Dobschutz talks about how Game of Thrones is not a safe show for him with all the nudity there. So whatever will help you, I would recommend that because what I found is that the world has normalized a massive, massive sexualization, especially of the female sex. And what is now normal in 2022, 2021 was total, it would have been pornography and explicit and not permitted decades ago. Things that are revealed now, uh, the sexualization of people and women on social media channels. This is all potentially triggering stuff for someone who has or has struggled with porn addiction. And so I really recommend identifying what are those things that really trigger you and to the best that you can block them, remove them, set up a way where you're not going to engage with that type of content. And I've talked about this also when I, before I went after my porn addiction, I was even more triggered and and working through a, a deeper and more painful addiction of sexting, texting with women and sexting and that live interactive nature to it. And I identified that I was predominantly acting out through direct messaging with women on social media, like Instagram and Facebook DMs. And so that was part of the reason why I initially took all of 2020 off from any use at all whatsoever of Facebook or Instagram. And that helped a lot. And for people who are listening to this thinking, oh my God, I could never get off Instagram. I could never get off Facebook or what are the, what I'm going to miss out from the human connection of not being on those apps. And it's so funny because I just think about how little connection I lost from getting off of Facebook and Instagram for that year. Like other than one housewarming party that I was invited to on Facebook that I otherwise would not have found out about genuinely. Like if I wasn't on Facebook this year, I would not have made it to my buddy's housewarming party. So that's the only, I think the only real case I could think of in the past two years where something happened on Facebook that was actually good that I needed to be on. Now I use it now predominantly for my business. We reach out to people, we connect with people in like-minded groups, and we uh, are able to identify clients for coaching. So it's obviously something that doesn't impact me in my porn recovery now. And like I said, I also don't have it on my phone, which helps as well. But what you want to do is say, well, what is this thing caught? Like what pain is this thing causing me that you're resistant to let go of? 
is it really is being able to see what cereal your friend ate and a picture of their story of them looking in the mirror more important than you being sober from pornography? Like, are you crazy? How like tackle and face those erroneous beliefs and that resistance head on, because I would get really curious about any resistance uh, or denial around what these social media platforms are doing to your brain if they're triggering you. Another thing that has been really helpful in the maintenance of my sobriety from pornography is music. And I was actually at a meetup with some friends. Um, this was several months ago. And we were, I was sharing how, okay, I've really gotten the first month or two of sobriety from porn under my belt. This is great. And a guy kind of proactively came up to me and he said, Hey, Brendan, do you listen to music? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, do you listen to like really, really powerful music that just lights you up? It could be worship music, prayer music, meditation music, pump up music. Like I remember I went to a Tony Robbins event in 2016 and they have playlists from his events it's called upw unleash the power within and you can go on spotify and get that music or whatever is the deepest and most powerful music that just lights you up he was asking me and i gave him a couple songs a couple things and he said brandon i don't know if you know this but the same endorphins that are released and flooded into your brain when you act out sexually with sexual porn addiction compulsive porn or porn like behaviors the same feelings and emotions and chemicals are released in your brain and body when you listen to this music. And so that has become a huge regular part of my life too, is whenever I notice myself feeling in one of these moods or really wanting to um, get that rush or that hit, I'll go to music instead. And I even used to own a mini trampoline, uh, totally fits within any normal house room, apartment room. I used to have a couple of them. I would jump up and down. Uh, it gets your blood flowing, it gets your lymphatic uh, fluids flowing, and you feel all those same chemicals in your body, but in a much healthier way. And that kind of ties in to what I was talking about in the last episode of how I really went after and identified really clearly what human needs and what things is was porn fulfilling in my life and finding new ways to replace that. Because we all have tanks for love and connection and we have a tank for certainty and we have a tank for novelty and we have a tank for connection and growth and contribution and service and all these different tanks that need to be filled up. Like I'm sure we've all heard when a, a, someone goes to their partner and says, Hey, my love tank is feeling kind of empty right now. Could you help me fill it? That's such a healthy thing to go do and say to your partner, if you feel that way and not in an, a way of animosity or make always making it their job to fill your tank, but that can be a healthy thing to do and certainly to be aware of if you're feeling like your love tank is empty. And so the music is just a way for me to feel uh, connected, to feel certain, to feel uncertain, to feel, feel a lot of those emotions and get those tanks filled up without having to go to porn. Because if I am not proactive in my life today, like for example, I'm recording this on a Saturday in my podcast studio and a lot of my friends are at one of these personal development conferences that was yesterday and today. And I'm thinking, man, I got to get my, my quote unquote fix for today. And when I say fix, I don't mean porn, but I mean my connection, my human connection, my certainty, my uncertainty, my uh, growth, all these needs that are, I need to fill my tanks. And so, cause I realized that last night, I was working a lot this week 
and all, all good stuff. Like the business is growing great stuff. But I was like, man, I'm so excited for like all day Friday and all day Saturday off. It's going to be super chill. And then yesterday was Friday and I did a little work and I did a lot of work around the house and got up to date on all my chores and I worked out hard and I went down to the beach with my dog. And so I did all these great things, but I was kind of done by like four or 5 PM. And I, I felt a little bored and I felt very disconnected from other people. And I thought I had planned in my calendar for that Friday evening and for all day Saturday to be like me time. But what I realized is, I mean, I drink a ton of water. I sleep eight hours every night. So from like 7 a.m. until 10 or 11 p.m., I am like, you know, I like to do stuff. And, I, and for me, downtime doesn't need to be a whole day, like 16 hours. It can be a couple hours. And so last night I was like realizing, okay, I'm going to reach out to this guy first. And then if he's not available, this person, this person, this person, this person, like I had a whole list because I knew that today I needed human connection. I needed some uncertainty. I needed some growth. So these are all things that I was aware of. And I said, okay, I'm going to make sure, especially on a day like a Saturday where you have unstructured time, uh, which in the past for me and for a lot of other people would be, okay, here's a good time to act out with addiction because I'm lonely and disconnected and have this unstructured time. I'm going to be really proactive around filling my day with different things that are going to meet my needs and, and make me feel whole and excited about life. So let's see, what else do I have here? Yep. Block the unsafe sites, the music. And the music is also really important to do, especially right in the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night, not just getting jacked up on massive pump up music, but in general, having like a, an opening up the day and a closing out the day routine is really helpful as well, because I've also found with porn addiction, when I was steeped in it, it didn't matter if it was 6 a.m., 2 in the morning, noon, 4 p.m., 10 p.m., I would just act out constantly, all different times, all different hours of the day. But I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of men especially, that the evening is the big time when they act out, especially after a long day, they get in bed, they got their laptop there, they got their phone right next to them, and the lights go off and instead of falling asleep, they can't sleep, they have anxiety, they're frustrated, they're overwhelmed, and then they go and they're like a porn. And so for that reason, I would really recommend having a strong, solid evening wind down routine where for me, what I like to do is by 7 or 8 p.m., get off all devices, computer, laptop, email, all work shut down and have a really nice unwinding several hours of cooking dinner, watching a funny, lighthearted TV show, walking my dog meditating, journaling, reading, relaxing, and releasing all the anxiety, all the frustration, all those things that would have triggered me acting out in the past. So that by the time I get to bed, I feel light, I feel relaxed, I feel genuinely connected to my body and not worrying or in my mind. And I can just kind of fall into a nice, easy sleep. So that's another thing I would really consider is what is your morning and also evening routine look like, especially the evening routine and thinking about how like identifying if you are still struggling with addiction, or even if you used to, this is still a good exercise of the last bunch of times you acted out, what time was it? And even though I said, Oh, I, I would act out at any given time. 
the truth is, as I'm even saying this now, it's, I am remembering that it would for me also predominantly be in the evenings. And so having, for me, having more like evening activities with friends and connection might be better, or it might be an unwinding thing, or maybe it's both. And considering for you, what type of practices and new routines you want to invite into your life would be really helpful. So those are a number of things that have helped me maintain my sobriety because I went after it hard at the beginning of this year. And now I'm very much focused on how do I maintain this and grow this? And like I said, the continual putting into place a practice where you're supporting other people and making it a big part of your life is really helpful. I'll also say another thing, which is letting good, healed, sober people who care about you and who can support you into your life in a close and meaningful way is really powerful because I now have, if I'm struggling, a number of people that I can reach out to. And I've built those relationships by being vulnerable, proactive, investing in those relationships, making sure I'm supporting them as appropriate and as avail- and I'm available to do that. Because I have a number of people in my life that I can call, they'll pick up on the first ring that will really support me through anything I'm going through. And it's critical to let people in. And I had a great realization this week, actually, that I thought was really interesting was I have a number of people supporting me, which I'm so grateful for. And one of them in particular was sharing in a group setting how much he enjoyed the conversations that he had had that day, one with another gentleman and one with me. And before I'd called him, I was a little hesitant. I knew I wanted to reach out to him, but I felt like, man, I've been calling this guy a lot. He's been pouring into me a ton and I feel a little bad. I don't want to bother him too much. He's got a family and he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. And then he spoke in front of a group saying how it was like the highlight of his day and how much it fed his soul and how meaningful it was to him and how fired up he got because of it. And then what I realized was there are a lot of people out there who really enjoy and derive fulfillment in their life from supporting and helping lift up other people. And what you want to do is you want to find the difference between the healed person who can heal you and the codependent person, because there are a lot of fixers out there who do not take responsibility for the problems in their life. And so what they do is they turn around and they try to just help other people. And so you don't want to find someone who's like a serial fixer helper who's just going to kind of listen to you vent and not really support you, or they're just all supporting you, but they don't have their own life dialed in. You want to find that person who has done their work, who has gone after their pain, who has gotten to the other side where they are sober, ideally from the addiction that you've suffered from or something similar, where they can support you in healthy ways. And if that's the case, be bold and reach out to them because these people are happier when you reach out. Like I know for me, obviously I can't be on the phone 20 hours a day, but I can support other people. And I do have some people in my life that I'm obviously I'm a coach. So I'm doing this all day. And I have some friends and some people locally who are really working through some intense addiction stuff. And when they call, I I enjoy, I smile and I say, Oh man, I'm so excited to talk to this guy, pour life into him to support him, to help him out with what he's going through. I genuinely find fulfillment in that. And so if you can realize that 
your one, and they say one man's garbage is another person's treasure that what you're suffering from could actually be opening up about that to someone else could be a gift is a, a new way that I want you to start to think about opening up and letting people close to where you're at, because that's really going to help you once you realize that and you'll be bolder and more willing to share where you're at. So the last two things I had were continual surrender and celebrating my sobriety often. And the celebration piece is huge because I find that when people are living out of fear or anxiety or perfectionism, they don't take time to celebrate their huge, huge wins. And even if you've only been a week without porn or a we a day without it, it's not even, I don't even like that. I use the word only it's such a huge win. You want to take this one day at a time and every day that you're not looking or not drinking or not smoking, whatever it is, every day that's a win. And you want to write that down in your journal and say, today, I did not look, I did not act out. I did not do this behavior. And that's a win. And I'm going to celebrate that. And I want you to ask yourself right now, how are you celebrating? What are you doing every day? Every time you have a win, no matter how big or small, how are you celebrating that? And I, it's, it's just great. I have a friend who I had some major success in my business recently. Things have been growing a lot. And after a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of figuring out how to be the man I needed to be to run this business, the person, how to have success, to make these changes, to scale this company. And my friend said to me, well, how are you celebrating? And I was like, I don't know. And they recommended that I get this new car that I'd really wanted. So I have a uh, Tesla coming in the spring, which I'm super excited about. And then I bought the car and then my friend was like, well, how are you celebrating the fact that you bought the car? And I was like, I don't know, I'll buy another car. <laughs> Obviously I was just kidding. But the point is the celebration for getting the car could be pat on the back, a little dance, going out for a meal, just sharing it with friends. That's what I did was I started to just share the wins. Not, oh my God, I bought this fancy car, but hey, I overcame a really challenging time in my life and got to a new level of my business. And I'm buying a cool technology-based car that I wanted to celebrate that. And people will genuinely, the right people will be happy for you when you share that. And so I'm curious how you guys are celebrating the wins and how can you stop looking at well, yeah, I have, you know, it hasn't been, it's been a month, but I'm not a year or it's not forever. Or I don't know, like enough with that. You've done something special and you deserve to celebrate yourself for that. And I want you to think about right now, after this episode, what's one thing you can go do to celebrate yourself for a recent win that you had this week. So thanks again for listening. Stay clean, stay in clean mode, stay recovered, continue to maintain. And if you guys are looking for additional support, have any questions, comments, thoughts about the next podcast series, you can always reach out at brendan at brendanhburns.com. Love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.